Hey everyone, welcome back to Joe on Joe. It's me, your host, Joe Slepsky, and this is the only podcast where we watch every episode of G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, the cartoon in sequential order, and we comment on it mystery science style. Very excited this week because I've got next to me, I've got a man who uh, likes to place his hands in the undercarriage of felt creatures. He's a puppeteer, he's a friend, and most importantly, kids, his name is also Joe. So we've got Joe on Joe on Joe today. Well, Joe and Joe on Joe. Joe and Joe. We'll see how it goes. Joe and Joe on Joe. (laughs) Welcome, Joe Anabi, puppeteer, fellow co-worker at Golden Apple Comics. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thanks, Joe. I'm happy to be here. Uh, I'm happy to know that this exists at all. That was a a pleasant surprise when I started working (laughs) at the comic store. (laughs) We are out there. We exist. Uh, And and I'll have to to yell at my marketing person for not reaching Albuquerque. (laughs) Yeah. So, Joe, you're regular, relatively new to L.A. Uh, you're from uh, like Albuquerque, but you were like born in L.A., spent time yeah, here. I, my, my roots are in L.A. I've got family here in yeah. L.A. I've spent a lot of vacations here, but I've never worked in or gone to school in Los Angeles. And I was born and then quickly left the <laughs> state uh, and uh, only just returned in January. So. And well, welcome. Thank you. And I am uh, I love what you do. You're you are a puppeteer. I am a puppeteer. Um, I do make puppets and also put my hands in their nether regions, as you stated. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, that's mostly the the kind of puppetry I do is like Muppet-style puppetry for television, Uh and foam, bright-colored monsters. I like the the Henson aesthetic. How did you get get into that when you were were young? Like, what what was it about that appealed to you? Uh, I don't know. I've just... It's one of my earliest... uh, fandoms alongside G.I. Joe. Sure. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, there was something always magical about the Muppets to me. Uh, Kermit the Frog, I think, is one of my early personality models. Uh, I, I dig that guy. He's, uh, he's, he's got a a good soul. It's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty great. And then having a good soul is the appropriate, appropriate description of Kermit. And, and the calm at the center of a storm of chaos. Mm-hmm. He, like, leads without being overbearing and stuff like that. But he, he can freak out if he needs to. Like, I don't know. He's a good uh, he's a good role model. When he freaks out, it's the best. His arms go all crazy. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> like, like, the, like the inflatable wavy guys in the wind. And he's like, ah! Yeah, it's just so good. Definitely. Was it Was it the movies or the TV show, like the, the variety show TV show? Or what, what era of Muppets were you were you getting into? I mean, I loved all of it. Uh Early on, my very favorite of the films was uh, Muppets Take Manhattan. But I had, um, oh, what are those things called? The uh, the little discs with the frames. Oh, Viewmasters. Viewmasters, yeah. Yes. I had Viewmasters of uh, the Muppet movie, and I would ju- I was obsessed with that. It was like, that was magic all yeah. on its own. Well, Viewmasters uh, were magic. I yeah. still kind of don't understand how they worked. It was, three, it was a 3D effect, I believe. Yeah. And I believe... That when you flipped it, it was the same image, but slightly different. So your right eye would see one version of it, and your left eye would see the other version of it, and so it would give it the three D effect. Totally, I think that's what. And I was. would mess with like 
I was obsessed with the functionality of it and like, you know, cause you had to backlight it. Also. Yeah. So yeah. I would like, yeah. Do, mess around with the lights and just use one eye at a time. And I was trying to like, how does this magic spell work? And it was definitely like acid for the children. And then the you images I'm looking so at are great. like, yeah. the, I remember one particular frame and it was before I had seen the movie. I remember one particular frame of, you know, when animal becomes gigantic and busts no, through yes, the roof yes, of yes, that yes. Uh, <laughs> saloon. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was just like, oh my God, this puppet is so big. Like, it's <laughs> like the scaling of everything about the Viewmaster and that particular image. It was just like mind expanding. So uh, that was a part of it. But also when I was a kid, I was, uh, I was often at home while my parents were at work. Uh-huh. Um, and there were t- we were a big TV house. There were TVs all over yes. the all over the place, and I kind of had free roam on all of that. So sometimes, if I woke up and the sun wasn't up yet, I w- would go over to the TV, turn it on, and have the volume really low. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't know how clocks or time worked, uh, <laughs> but. If I at just random lucky luck of the draw turned on the TV and turned it to WGN, the Muppet Show would be on, and so it was like every I would try to recreate that, like recast that spell. It was magic to me because yeah, no no understanding of time and space. I just go to this box, and hit the a Muppets button, would always be and on. the Muppets would sometimes be on, but I didn't know how to replicate it reliably. That's so fantastic. I was always like, oh, yes, that thing is on again. Like, oh. I don't know how to get this consistently, but every time I got it, it was like I scored. It was like winning the lottery. That is great. We, I love the Muppets. I, we watched the show regularly. The movie, I love the first movie. The, 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 uh, the caper left me a little cold. Even, I, like, I like the caper, but yeah, it, yeah. not knocking it. But I, I absolutely, I gotta be, I gotta be true to my 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 child's intuition, yeah. and I didn't dig it. I remember not liking caper, but I loved Manhattan. Yeah, Manhattan. Love Manhattan. Uh... I think Manhattan informs my uh, understanding of sexuality even oh. because there's a romance between Kermit and a human woman. That's true. And uh, which is so apt for today's episode of GI <laughs> Joe and I'm not even going to stretch there but continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I'm excited. Uh and I'm going to take it a step further into being apt for today's episode. Um I thought the relationship between Kermit and the human woman was way better, way more functional <laughs> than the relationship between Kermit and Miss Piggy. Yeah. Um, and he would have been better off just sticking with that lovely, nice waitress. Uh, she was delightful. Waitress. Yeah, she was great. Um, and uh, so I was a big supporter of, I shipped that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and it also, like, it didn't seem weird or there was nothing about the way it's presented that makes you question the, uh, what's, a, is that okay? Like, yeah. you know, yeah, like, it, right. It, it was, was just, totally normal. It's just, it is what it is. Well, I mean, just, there, there are a world where pigs and frogs can hook up. Yeah. Where, whatever and gonzo humans, is and, and chick and chickens and humans and whatever yeah yeah, yeah. yeah there <laughs> were always romances on the show yeah like but it was it's, always like like the guest star of the week piggy would hit on them right or yeah the, like or debbie, was, debbie harry yeah. everyone thought she was hot yes you know? and, and didn't was like piggy if it was a if it was a hot woman oh yeah piggy would be upset because she thought she was flirting with frog well she's used to being the smurfette yeah you know yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. uh very weird show. Love it. Totally. Um, but totally. all of that, that's like where my understanding of like, I think relationships really okay. was formed. Okay. And uh, so flash forward to uh, Tim Burton's uh, Planet of the Apes film. Yeah. Uh, 
I was 100% okay with and encouraging of the Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> Helena Bonham Carter as an ape relationship. The studio put the kibosh on that. Tim Burton wanted to push harder into Did that he really? territory. Did yeah. he? Tim Burton wanted them to get it on, but uh, they were not allowed to because the but, studio said, that's disgusting. No one wants that. But you're so damned ugly. <laughs> to quote the original Planet of the Apes. Yeah. yeah. I And I was and I kind of, I was like, I don't know, Helena Bonham Carter as an ape is like, it's oh, not bad. Yeah, like, well, I'm into that. Yeah, she's yeah. those cheekbones. Yeah. Like, that jawline. I, yeah, I don't care, ape or not. I'm Which in. I, most of my friends did not agree with me. I was like, man, I, I wish they had gone there. Like, I wanted that to happen. And I, <laughs> I firmly blame that on uh, Muppets Take Manhattan. Well, right. Actually, as we talk right in front of me is the uh, Howard the Duck omnibus. Oh, is that Howard like, the Duck. Is that like Penthouse for you? <laughs> uh, I love Howard the Duck based uh, not solely, but I've uh, like I I really enjoyed Chip Zdarsky's run on Howard the Duck. Oh, recently. that was great! Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah, good for real. Um, I haven't run a, read a ton of the classic Howards. I've got some, mm-hmm. but like I, I'm definitely not an expert on it's classic Howards. Super subversive for the '70s, like it's yeah. super anti-establishment. Like shocking that Marvel put it out. And very sexual. Yes. Like the, oh, yeah. the ones that I have, I flipped through. I'm like, dude. And that's where the movie got yeah, it from. Right. Yeah. Lucas yeah, the movie didn't was... make that up on a whole cloth. That no, was, like... we're doing as much as we can from the book. And, it... and people hate that movie. Well, it is it's... so reviled. I love yeah, that movie, it's... though. I, I own it. Uh, I enjoy it. But it's I think it's objectively terrible. Um, the duck boobs. The duck boobs are funny. <laughs> it's whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's a world of ducks. They got to have something. It's true. There's it's true. duck people, duck D- men and yeah. women. Yeah, duck, uh, duck boy. Or play, playbill. Playbill, I believe is what it was yeah. called. It was called Playbill. Yes, like, it is. Like, yeah. But that's another one. The the relationship between Howard and Back to the Future's mom. Yeah, uh, yeah Leah Thompson. Yeah. Leah Thompson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, big fan and supporter of that, too. That was another oh. one that, like, between that and Muppets <laughs> Take Manhattan, my fragile little mind was warped. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I'm. So when did you f- pick up your first puppet? Um, or do you or do you remember what it was? I there was um I was here in Los Angeles visiting my uh, uh, father and his new wife, and uh, living in Albuquerque at this mm-hmm. point. Um, but I was already you know obsessed with puppets. Just didn't really have any of my own. And we were in yeah this. I don't know if it was Nordstrom's, but it was some like bougie store in the mall and they happened to have uh puppets that were like it was like the mascot of the store as a puppet Mm. and i've never seen it before or since but at this time there was a puppet in there that was a lion and he had like a denim jacket with a gold star uh gold (laughs) lame star on the back and i and it was probably like 50 to 100 bucks. I don't know how much it was, but I was just, it was a stuffed animal that you could put your hand in the back of his head yeah, and yeah. then he was a puppet. So it didn't have any control rods for the arms and you didn't put your hand up its ass. Um, it was inferior in yeah, most yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was a really, it was a very flexible mouth, very articulate mouth, and it allowed you to do like Kermit esque things with the mouth as far as the expression, yeah. which is like the most expressive kind of puppet mouth you when, can have. When Kermit like squirrels up his jaw, exactly. Like, yeah, like there's so like, much you I'm, can. I'm, I'm consternated. That yeah. look is so great. There's yeah. a range there that you can't. Most of the puppets I make, they have like hard. Uh, mouth plates uh-huh. is what you call it like i make them out of like foam core or something like that so you don't get a lot of uh articulation or play there do you still have that first puppet did you say like was did he survive over the years or um i think not as uh <laughs> it's 
eventually <laughs> used him to wash your car? <laughs> no, I, I used him to vent frustrations in high school or something. Uh, like our, He lost an eye to a baseball bat at one point. Oh there, boy. Was, there was a period okay. where I did not treat him well. It was like, uh, you know, nightmares for the uh, for the toys. There's so was, like, you, you, were, you were the neighbor in Toy Story. Yeah, for a minute there. <laughs> and uh, so I actually still have his head. Oh, oh okay. At, which only has one eye. Um, but I didn't like his body's crap and he was in disrepair. But I was like, this head is still cool. Like the mouth yeah. articulation. Maybe I'll put it on another body that's, at some point. That's important. It's that's, a weird. That's so a, I've got his head somewhere. That's, that's really great. It's yeah. a great totem. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So then uh, w- when when did you start building your own? Like when did you get into that? Um, I started building my own actually. I don't know. It was probably like. 10 or 12 years ago. Yeah. And uh, that was, I was in a rock band uh, doing rock band performance art stuff for uh, about seven years. And around year five, year six. Uh, like war meets crank anchors? Uh, well, that's what I was starting to think. Like, hey, maybe we could go in that. I mean, I actually did yeah. see Guar and I was like, they're so cool the costumes are great like the stage production is amazing yeah like what could we do that's not ripping guar off but like that's more performative i always maintained that we would all be wearing costumes like there would be some kind of visual element but then uh what instrument do you play uh keys but weird stuff in general i was always like my bands i i never joined someone else's band and like was handed sheet music because that would have gone well for them uh, they were they were my bands that I was leading, but I was making sure that we were really weird. Cool. Um, like no guitar, bass, drums. Like I didn't want traditional anything. Um, it was influenced by like uh, Icelandic bands like Moom or. Well, you uh, said you were a big Bjork fan. I'm a big we Bjork fan. Yeah. Uh, Godspeed you, Black Emperor. Um, uh, Camellia Set Istavet more accurately. Uh, is compared to us in in like the randomness and the scope and like the soundscapiness but like um warren ellis the comic writer actually uh-huh. he was when he started doing podcasts we were featured on like two of his early podcasts really uh the band was called yoda's house yoda's house yeah <laughs> always with the puppets always with the puppets um and yeah he really liked our first album um and then he stopped responding once subsequent albums came out i don't know we, we lost favor with warren ellis but i've got some really choice quotes of warren ellis uh, praising our first tracks amazing um and yeah he said it's kind of like godspeed you black emperor meets animal collective or more accurately camellia set istavat and i was like who's camellia set istavat so i looked them up and yeah he was right that's That's cool like so really weird experimental noise soundscape stuff we only used like voice as instrument we didn't start using lyrics until like the last couple years um i was playing accordion to begin with um but as the lead, mm-hmm. um, but I wasn't playing it the way an accordion would normally be used. Um, I got an accordion that had a line out built into the piano key side, and I did not feel like miking the chord button side on the left, so I just used the bellows and the uh, piano key side and ran that through like multi-effects pedals and uh, created some like intense psychedelia and weird stuff. Yeah, and like and I'm and then like even drums, I made sure that there were drums all over the stage, but there was not a drummer with a full drum kit. Yeah. I wanted to break up the sound, make it more like um, intuitive and tribal and and 
not like you would regular there wasn't even a guitar in the band for the first like three or four years wow um it was always just like weird stuff synths um marxophone um lap harps and like mark he was my guest last week (laughs) i didn't know he was in your band so your first paying gig as a puppeteer what was it? Oh, yeah. So at the end of the band, I was like, oh, what if we did puppet rock operas? Yeah. Um, and uh, so I started making puppets. I remembered I, I had this love of puppetry. Yeah. yeah. I stepped away from... Fu- I thought when I was a kid I was going to be a puppeteer. Yeah. Uh, but then Jim Henson died, and he working with him was more my goal yeah. than just being a puppeteer. And so when he died, I kind of like lost focus on that. Um, and then at this time in the band, I was like, you know, I don't have to work with Jim to like honor his memory Mm -hmm. and like still like work within his field and uh so i i was like what if i started building my own i met some other people online that were building puppets gave me some resources and uh hated it i was i was was terrible at it i couldn't make the thing that i wanted to i was like i'm gonna make a t-rex but i ended up making like a bean-shaped head instead and i was like I'm not good at this. I'm not immediately good at this. I want to just like put yeah, it away, yeah, yeah. put it out of my mind. I couldn't quite shake it though. A couple of years later, I came back to those unintentional forms and was like, what can I, how can I just finish whatever this is, even if it's not what I wanted to make? Right. And so I started to try to approach puppet making in the same way that I approached music. So I called it like the jazz of puppet making and just like whatever the form wanted to be, that's what it would be. Amazing. Um, and then those puppets, um, I started when I was working at, I, I'm working with you now at Golden Apple Comics. Mm-hmm. I was working at Astro Zombies in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Sweet. I was uh, managing that store. Shout out to Astro Zombies. Yeah. It must have a good... been a great store with Joe at the helm. Oh, it was a great store. It still is. Did, um, you, did you guys win awards? I Didn't you? You won yeah. like Retailer of the Year or something? Or, um, or what we, was it? We won like Best Comic Store Signage like two years in a row and they retired the category at, at cool. Diamond because they're like no one's ever like you won it two years in a row the only two years this category has existed <laughs> and it was like worldwide like we were up against like stores in New York and Australia Amazing. were our like top competition because there was a huge mural on the side of the building and then it's on Route 66 so it's got like the old like big signage like neon uh awnings and stuff well, like that like you know what I, i'm gonna point a finger at diamond there and go listen guys we, don't retire the category you give uh astro, astro zombie yeah you give astro zombies like an emeritus award right and and name the award after astro zombies yeah, the astro zombies yeah, signage award yeah, yeah and you pull you guys out of the running and, yeah and do something along those lines and continue to honor the retailers because right. that's a that's a it's a good award to give it's something for people to aspire to don't retire it just because someone done broke the game. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So if you're listening, Diamond, heads up. Bring it back. Diamond, uh, they've got a few things to tighten up here and there. They certainly do. Stop <laughs> being a monopoly, Diamond. Stop being Seriously, a monopoly. Seriously, a little healthy competition could yeah. uh, serve Spe- the industry well. Speaking of healthy competition, we've got a healthy competition this week between Joe and Cobra. And it is who is going to rut with an animal the fastest. <laughs> Joe, today's episode is stuck on you, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about where I think it's pulling from uh, as the show goes, but I'm going to warn you, viewers, uh, trigger warning, there's a lot of bestiality panic jokes in this this episode. Like, it is straight up fear of Cobra Commander being mated with, as you were talking about Planet of the Apes earlier, with a monkey. 
Is he? There's an ape that's a female gorilla chasing Cobra Commander, and she's in love with him. Is he still a Snake Man, or is no, well? Yes and no. He he's in the armor that. Do you remember that silver battle armor? Like mm-hmm. kind of spiky. He's in that this whole season, and underneath it, he is scaly and yellow. Right. But he's a human. Okay. So whether you so he's not, yeah he's snake like. He's, he's a snake he's, man. He's a human. Yeah, he's snake man. Yeah, he's totally snake man. So that's what we're dealing with, Joe. Listen, listeners, if you want to see what Joe is up to, you go to joeanabi.com. That's J-O-E-A-N-N-A-B-I.com. From there, you'll see you've got videos. It's all his social media Yeah, there's links. like a sizzle reel, if you will. Sizzler. And then some galleries and social media links. Galleries. Yeah. Yeah. Puppets. And we can see what you do. And totally. you're, you're a puppeteer for hire. So if you guys are looking to do, maybe you're looking to do a puppet promotional video for your business. You know, you're out there listening, you run a comic shop or something, you hit Joe up. Because one, he knows how to run a great comic shop. And, and that's two, what I did with the the puppet uh, for, I think that was probably my first paid puppetry was at Astro Zombies. I did a comic review show every week. With puppets? With Foxy, my, oh, my lead puppet. Is that So that's Foxy's your... He's he's like if I had a Kermit as far as what's been made so yeah. far it would be Foxy he's he's a little sassier than Kermit but sassy well sassy's yeah. good but sassy's yeah good. Uh, well, Foxy great. Foxy reviewed comics every week and uh, guys I think that's he's a, bril- a great great guy for promo I think that's a brilliant idea so if you're listening <laughs> you're looking to do some promo stuff reach out to Joe and hook him up and while you're thinking about comic books while we're all talking about comic books you know what we should be doing we should be listening to the Dreamer Comics podcast. It's our new sponsor of Joe on Joe. Oh, it's cool. Omar Spahi's podcast. It is all about breaking into comic books. He interviews someone in the industry who's functional, working, a working professional, but also typically from the indie side, so they know what it's like. That they're fresh from coming yeah. up, and they've been in your shoes of your shoes, the listeners, your shoes of saying, "Hey, I want to work in this industry. I want to do this. How do I break in? Whether it's comics." Whether it's puppetry, whether it's uh, filmmaking, whether it's woodworking, whatever it is, there's something you want to do. There's always a little barrier to entry. How do I achieve that? That's what Omar talks about every week on his podcast. So everyone go to dreamercomicspodcast.com and sign up and give it a listen. Tell them Joe on Joe sent you. And now, if we don't have any more plugs. I'm No, I'm no more plugs. No plug in. One more plug for me. Follow me on social media, guys, at Joe and Joe Pod. Go to at Joe and Joe Pod on Facebook and Instagram. Send me an email to Joe and Joe Pod at gmail.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, I absolutely adore having listeners on the show. It's super easy. We uh, we knock it out in an hour. It's so much fun. You guys, send me an email to Joe and Joe Pod at gmail.com. We'll have you on. Now, are you ready for Stuck on You? This is the final episode of season one of the DIC, Joe. Uh, I'm ready to see if I remember it from my youth. They may have saved the worst for last. (laughs) All right. All right, listeners, get your DVDs ready, and here we go. So we are are getting tough. This final episode, the DIC... So do you recognize? Do you recognize this? Is this the season that you were that you were uh, uh, pining for? I mean, I love (laughs) I love it all uh, except. G.I. Joe Extreme, I think that's when I was no longer down. It's funny you say that teaser, everyone. I have the DVDs for G.I. Joe Extreme. Uh, I may be doing them on this show. I, I'm not sure yet. I haven't watched them all the way through. And also, um, I know that a lot of a lot of my listeners don't have them. So actually, that might be a better reason to do it. Right. But um, I have G.I. Joe Extreme is in the house right now. So we'll <laughs> see what happens with G.I. Joe Extreme.
you know, um, we still got we still have a whole second season of the DIC to get through. So about another, uh, I think, 25 or so episodes of oh, this wow. left. So, I mean, it'll be here before we know it. It'll yeah. blink and it'll be here. How is this a weekly thing? Yeah. 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 So we're on weekly uh, weekly on this. And then and then we do the uh, Joe and Joe Illustrated, of course, which is our Patreon podcast, everybody. So it's written by Stephen Mitchell and Barbara Petty stuck on you. And we open with some exciting action. This um, this whole episode is for me one of those like action focused episodes or action focused comic books where the fun of it is in the adventure, not necessarily in any like deep plot moments or like intricate schemes by Cobra. This is you know we, who knows what they're up to here. We just open there in the middle of a fight. Cobra's already retreating. We got night creepers. Uh, saving Cobra and pursuing Cobra Commander throughout it. These um, Skyhawks, they knock Cobra's ship out of the sky. Like, we get right to it. So there's no deep... Uh, there's no through line to track. There's just sit back and enjoy the fun. Yeah. And then they layer in the bestiality, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to lay the groundwork. You don't just open on bestiality. Uh, yeah, you just don't you don't just go there right away. So, what kind of action figures did you have with GI Joe? Like, where were where were your GI Joe figures at? Um, yeah. So, uh, my brother, who's seven years older than me, already had a massive GI Joe collection by the time I was alive, mm-hmm. and um, so I made sure to uh, destroy his duke action figure every time he replaced it i would just rip it in half immediately mm-hmm. um and then uh <laughs> he convinced my mom that i needed my own gi joes so that maybe i would stop destroying his um that's that's a good that's a good argument and a smart argument yeah because then you also just have double the number of joes in the house exactly yeah. so yeah my, do you have any idea how many dukes you destroyed I, I think i destroyed three and then he stopped buying wow. that figure question then was it just duke that you hated it was just i didn't even hate him i don't i don't remember Maybe you, it like you loved him so much yeah i think i loved him yeah but uh yeah i was really focused on that one did for some you reason. then destroy your own we never had another duke after well, i yeah, destroyed the yeah, third but, one but and then there were not no other destructions of other characters it was just duke no i mean sometimes things happen you know gi joe's the o-rings no, gotta well, get replaced and yeah, whatnot course, you play hard course. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> play hard plastic hard that's right so, here we go <laughs> With the introduction of just one of the worst animated, not since the 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 Ghostbusters t- cartoon have we seen a terribly animated gorilla like this, this and is, uh... this gorilla is quickly falling in love with an upside down uh, Cobra Commander. He had parachuted out of his plane and he got caught up in the parachute. <gasps> Meanwhile, Pathfinder, who I like generally as a character, even though do you know what his um, accessory was no a weed whacker and i'm not <laughs> kidding he came with like a basically a weaponized weed whacker that he could cut through the jungle with but essentially it was something that you would use on your front lawn uh yeah. well they wanted to get you feeling practical what yeah. yeah that's an awkward pose yeah so so pathfinder is making friends with the kitty cat and the kitty cat's mother and we're talking like is that a tiger or, like, or, or a like mountain lion? Mountain, li- mountain lion. It's probably mountain lion. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> That was great, though. But that's how they carry it. That's, that makes sense. Better. Listen, so that mountain lion just caught the cub. The mother caught the cub in her mouth. No, it is a lion. Well, that's... Okay, so we're talking lions. Lions. These are lions. I would have half expected DIC to animate her catching them with her actual, like, Hand, hands. Her paws. Like her paws. Yeah, like that's, I would have half expected to see that. So I'm happy to see she used her mouth. 
And Pathfinder finds Cobra Commander trussed up. <laughs> I'm so glad uh, you decided to Yeah. Now, do you have any of your toys left over from when you were a kid? Like, do you still have them somewhere, like at your parents' house? Or? I don't think I have any of my G.I. Joe's left. I've got one of the only toys. F- I've got a few toys left from my childhood. I think I've got some Ewoks. Sweet. Um, I've got a Martian Manhunter Chief from Chirpa, the... Uh, maybe Princess Nisa. I think I just have... It's not wicked. You no, know, it's low Chief Chirpa. I've got, I've got, I had a Chirpa and a low gray. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I had a Martian Manhunter from the DC Superpowers. Oh, uh, awesome. Line. Yeah, very cool. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, no Joes made it. No Joes made yeah, it. Yeah, well, Joes were, Joes were meant to be played with, you know? Yeah. Like, that's it. And, um, okay, so here we go. Pathfinder just handcuffed himself to Cobra Commander. And this is where we get into shades of... Uh, the Defiant Ones, right? Which is uh, a film I with uh, Sidney Poitier and um, oh, I just looked it up. Who, who did I say it was? Sidney Poitier I've and I must have crushed the community. Anyway, it was about two prisoners who uh, Tony Curtis. That's who. The two prisoners they escape and they're shackled, and one's uh, African American, one's a white guy, and the white guy's racist, and they um, they have to make their escape from prison while not killing each other and kind of figuring that out right it's from the movie is from 1958 and the reason they're they're totally doing that in this episode but the reason why it's also important and resonant is the defiant ones is who ron friedman stated was an influence on the plot of the gi joe movie the animated movie right where roadblock and cobra commander were kind of hooked up with commander turning into a snake and he was on roadblock's shoulder and they had to escape through the muck and the mire to get out of cobra law that he is on record saying was influenced by the Defiant Ones, so I think that 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 movie was just a, um, it's a it is a classic, but I think it, it just at this time it was really resonant to a lot of these writers and everything. So I think that's really cool that they kind of bring that back. Um, also, what was the Tim Robbins? Tu- was it Tim Robbins and Tupac? Oh uh, <laughs> no, it was a Tim Roth and Tim Roth. Uh, Tupac. Tim Gridlo- Roth. Gridlocked. Gridlocked. I think might be a, a remake of the Defiant <laughs> Ones. You know, yeah, great movie. Great movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I said uh, I said that I was describing the movie earlier, and, and and you came up with gridlocked, and I was like, no, I'm talking <laughs> a classic. That. You're like, that's classic to me. <laughs> so they're trying to make their way out of the jungle. Meanwhile, they're pursued not only by Cobra but by this amorous that's ape. A laugh. You destroyed all our radio equipment during the attack. Yeah. So they've removed <laughs> any sort of racial overtones from the concept, but. Right after Pathfinder handcuffed them together, I didn't hear the full thing that Cobra Commander said, but I think he said, I'm not looking for a boyfriend. He definitely said boyfriend. Oh, yeah. So there's definitely... Gay panic. Gay panic. There's total gay panic and bestiality (laughs) panic in this. Yeah. Pathfinder was inviting the bestiality, though. That cub was crawling on him. Well, yeah, in in a a more gentle way, way. in a seductive way. He was like, oh. Yeah. He's (laughs) like, oh, do you read Howard the Duck? (laughs) Because I read Howard the Duck. So we're going to go to commercial with a bunch of night creepers parachuting (laughs) into the jungle. Today's file card features on Destro's general, codenamed Voltar. Voltar was an extremely successful mercenary commander. In fact, he was too successful for his continued presence to be tolerated by the provisional government's revolutionary councils 
and military dictatorships that employed him. He could pluck victory from seemingly imminent defeat and complete defiance of the odds, always just one step ahead of the disaster, never looking back. Winners never look back. Quote, he has that quality I admire most in a general. You know that Napoleonic anecdote? The marshals of France were extolling the tactical prowess of a certain young commander. The little corporal cut them off tersely. All very well and good, but tell me one thing. Is he lucky? And that's what Destro had to say about Voltar. Voltar is a conundrum, ladies and gentlemen. He is borderline very cool. They talk, his file card says he's proficient and he's capable and all this stuff. And yet he is wearing hot pink and has one of the, the, the just the corniest looking helmets I've ever seen. Uh, his, his right eye is missing, which is always fun. An eye patch is always fun, especially on a Cobra. He also comes with a Condor, which is very cool. But I'll say this, they don't name the Condor. Uh, at least on the file card stuff. So maybe they give him a name in the comic book. The Condor has no name. He comes with a submachine gun and a backpack, a rather intricate backpack, actually. And uh, if you look closely at it, it's got a very odd shape on it. That's all I'm going to say, ladies and gentlemen. You need to go to yojo.com and look up Voltar's backpack and then have a good chuckle on me. Now, it's the uh, bar that the Condor is, gets to rest on, but it looks some, something different. He's capable... He's got cool gun, he's got a bird, all those are all things I like, and yet he just has always been played for goofs. I know he was a big player in the comic book. They used him a lot because he was so capable, but I just, I can't, I can't support his look. He was later uh, released on a two-in-one file card with uh, Muskrat, so it kind of came with a, it was, it was Voltar and Muskrat, and I wonder if that was because neither of them sold very well, maybe? I don't know. We'll never know. We probably would know if we interviewed someone over at Hasbro that would know, but we're not going to do that because this is Joe on Shell. So, Voltar, you capable general of the Iron Grenadiers, we salute you. So, we've got uh, the Night Creepers, and, and the Joes are looking for them, too. They're in their Skyhawks, and these are the Sky Patrol Skyhawks, so they're silver-coated. I never understood why they would want it. One, the chrome coating on a plane would make it super heavy, I think. And two, assuming they solve the weight problem, why would you want your plane to be super shiny and reflective so you can see it easily? Uh, to instill fear in the hearts of your enemies. Is that it? Yeah. Or you could say to make it laser-proof. That too. But... I don't think it is laser proof, but yeah, it makes like it makes for that's I like the Sky Patrol, but and they made for cool looking toys. But like the, yeah. the two things that you want in a plane to be lightweight and hard to hard to track in the sky, I feel like they they absolutely accomplished neither of those two with Sky Patrol stuff. Um, we had Big Ben show up. He's one of their English um, uh, recruits, so uh -huh. he's, he's like from you know from um, MI six or something like that. Okay. So that's exciting. They're, they're going for a more international flair here at the end of the DIC series. Yeah, and Cobra Commander is running from his paramour. His quote-unquote girlfriend. Yeah, and meanwhile, this lion is still hunting Pathfinder. I don't think for Amherst reasons. Non-romantic. 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 Uh, and, of course, the, the always stealthy purple ninja. <laughs> Also chromed out. Also chromed out. Yeah. See, I literally chromed out. There was a glint off of his his, his uniform there. Like that his, is the his visor, yeah. his sweet sweet eighties visor. That is the last thing you want in in being a, a stealthy ninja. Um, these are under toes. Remember, if we're the first to rescue the commander, there'll be big bucks for all of us. That voice is awesome. Did you just hear that? Yeah. Hey, everybody. Rem like, that's just fantastic. Apparently, voice acting was a less pursued career at that time. They didn't have as many voices <laughs> to pick from. Well, it was all Canadian. It was all Canadian <laughs> at this point. So, 
the loathsome beast has caught up to Cobra Commander. So is this and yes, see and Pathfinder is consistently down. He's showing some colors here, man. So is this the this the era? Did you watch more than just Drop Operation Dragonfire, or is this like were you watching the maybe not this specific episode you remember, but like were you watching this stuff? Yeah, I watched all of GI Joe, all of it, repeatedly. Yeah, because I because I got personally I was out of it by the time this stuff started airing, so I a lot of this for me is new to me. Oh, what year were you born? I was seventy five. Oh, so when I when this episode started, I was like sophomore in high school, and I was kind of done with. G.I. Joe for the time. Right. I was still reading the comic book voraciously, but the cartoon, I wasn't even home when it was on. So it wasn't just it was off my radar. I'm sure right. I would have watched it. And I know I kept watching if I caught reruns of the or whatever. But when it was on normal times, I absolutely was not home. So yeah, so. this whole silver uh, suited uh, Cobra mm-hmm. Commander era was not your cup of tea. He was. Well, the action figure was, though. Like, yeah. I had the action figure because the action figure came out like a year or two before this. Mm-hmm. But um but the the animated version of it, no, no, like it, it just not, not on my radar. Yeah, I watched, uh, I watched all of it. I thought, so I really liked. I mean, we all loved the movie. I yes, yes, well yes, regarded. Yes, 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 yes. Um, but then I love. I believe I even remember the video store that we rented the movie from. I don't remember the name of it, but I know where it is on 111th Street, right off, right past Ridgeland. Nice. I know, I know, I, I believe that was the video store we got it from because you I was didn't so excited. You didn't see it in theaters? No, it wasn't in the theaters. It never went it to never the theaters. It never went to the no, theaters? No, no, no. Transformers did. Oh, okay. G.I. Joe went straight to video because Transformers scared children when they killed Optimus Prime. <laughs> yeah, it was a dark ass yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they pulled, they pulled the release of G.I. Joe and just did straight to video. Wow. But I remember walking in and going, oh my God, there's a G.I. Joe movie. This needs to happen immediately. It yeah. was so good. But then I've always... Uh... I don't know where my love of uh, continuity mm-hmm. comes from originally, mm-hmm. but like comic books, mm-hmm. cartoons, Buffy the Vampire Slayer later, mm-hmm. like all of my favorite things have long form continuity. Yeah. And uh, you get to watch these characters evolve and stuff. So just the fact that they were carrying these storylines forward, mm-hmm. like the movie was the culmination point, but then the story kept going and we yeah. still get to see Cobra Commander dealing with his snake-ified body his affliction let's yeah. call it what it is yeah, his he's, affliction. Yeah, he's, he's afflicted he's, um, a, he's a victim he's the victim here all of that all i of agree that I, love. I agree continuity when there were morsels of continuity on these shows i was just engaged mm-hmm. i was so engaged it made me want to seek out the original ones i believe when I when they when they did Transformers Beast Wars, that was one of the first ones that was really hardcore. Every episode mattered continuity. Yeah, and, and, and Beast Wars was awesome. Yeah, it was great. But like, I, I was watching it, and I was in college at the time. But I, I remember coming home and seeing like, oh, let me check this out. It's a new Transformers show, and I was like, wait, they're they're literally referencing another episode, but it's not a two parter. Yeah, and then characters would change, and then the change would be reflected in the next it's episode. Like right, so we're gonna go to commercial and be right back. Hey listeners, I'm not sure if you've heard the news, but Joe and Joe has started a Patreon, and I'm inviting you along for the ride. Go to patreon.com slash Pod and check out my page. Right now, there are two opportunities for you to help support the show. You can choose to be a grunt or a viper. Grunts get access to all the Joe and Joe episodes and early access to new episodes as they're created. Vipers get all that and access to my all-new spinoff podcast, Joe on Joe Illustrated, where I will be breaking down every single issue of the G.I. Joe comic books page by page in the deepest dive you'll ever hear on G.I. Joe. 
So go to patreon.com slash Pod and see what's happening over at the Fort Wadsworth Motor Pool. We'll see you there. And that kind of continuity is so what I think is, is so vital to why people love comic books and what's so important about comic books and what I think they've gotten away from a lot in the last 15 years. Building that sense of history. Stop restarting things at number one. Make it, make it so that when a reader ref- reads something and you see Tony Stark have an interaction with an ex-girlfriend, give me the reference for the issue that you're talking about. Yeah, so they that, don't so ever that, do a, an issue reference anymore. No, they don't do it. And, and I, I think it's to the detriment of the long-term growth of the industry because I, whatever the throwaway line is, hey, oh, I can't believe you showed your face here again. And then you move on with your story. Oh, check out issue 238 for reference. And then I'm going to go seek out 238, whether I buy it as a trade or digital right. or get the actual issue. I'm going to be like, yeah, what happened? Like that would motivate people to get on Marvel Unlimited like nothing totally. else. Totally. And they don't do that. There have been pockets of trying to get back to that over the years. But it used to be a, just a staple of the industry. I'm glad I think that, that, that we're not so doing huge. some of that stuff that marked that era. Like uh, I don't want things to go back to the Chris Claremont uh, inner monologue narration <laughs> box like you're getting the same thing explained three different perspectives yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it can be overdone yeah it can be overdone for sure editorial notes about uh issue referencing totally worthwhile yeah yeah so joe one of the things i love to do on my show is um ask my guests if you could be a member of the joe or cobra team what would you be what would your specialty be and then what would your code name be? And we, we can work on the code name together. But like, what would you be if you, you could be a member of the Joe or Cobra team? Have you given any thought to this? Um, I have given zero thought Yeah, because I this. sprung it on you and I forgot to remind you. <laughs> <laughs> so think about it now. And we'll, we'll jump back into the show and we'll, we'll come back to it. So they're continuing to make their, um, make their escape through the jungle. This is what I'm talking about where there's not much of a plot here, which is, is fine. I don't mean that as a detriment. Although Cobra Commander is adamant that the monkey is not his girlfriend, where there is there's no twists and turns to this. At least Bernice didn't have as much body hair. Well, and and whether or not the gorilla reminds him of an ex. Yes, and he says her name. Oh, my lips are sealed, your snake ship. What? You're lying. Yeah, he talks about an ex girlfriend who had more body hair than the gorilla. And that's what he's into, right? <laughs> so we're just saying the gorilla is not necessarily out of play for no, Cobra Commander. No, it is not not no, his type. Not, not, not his type, exactly, yeah. Um, they do a good job climbing the tree, though, handcuffed, to get away from that lion. The lion looks good. The animation is absolutely uh, sparse and cheap, for real, though. It is oh, not... Yeah. Um, that lion not very... Uh, not trying super hard. No, he's really not. He's yeah, giving them their time. Yeah, there's not a lot of, of motion and not a lot of <laughs> movement. Um, but th- I would say the design of it is solid. I don't yeah. like the necessarily like the design of the monkey or the ape. I think the ape is too just bulbous and ro- like there's not enough detail on it. It looks like a blob of gray chasing them. Yeah. Um, wow. But she is damn sexy. And that's for sure. <laughs> that is for sure. Whoa, they just swung on a vine in a way that must have inspired uh, Indiana Jones and the <laughs> Crystal Skull, because that was total yes. bullshit. I'm yes. sorry. No, that no, was... it was. It was BS. It really was. <laughs> it, no, you're right. It's 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 cartoon vine work, which is, I'll, I'll let that go. You know. They just swung like 
a mile on one on vine, one vine from yeah. a tree yeah. to this very far away. And place. then you see, and, and when you see the animation, the the angle of the vine is still pointing in the wrong direction. Like if, if you yeah, start on a swing the... and it's pointing to the left, when you finish the swing, it should be pointing to the right because yeah. you've now gone the whole arc of it. And that's not what happened. Let's see if they fix that on the ape's yeah. swing. Oh, um, that ape. That monkey is back. Hey. Oh, oh, that's a good swing. Better, it's good, better swing. Yeah, I guess that's a better. I guess the original first, when they first appeared, it was a little blobbier. It's not. Wow. That, that, that monkey gorilla. Too many animals here. The lion is really going after Pathfinder. Meanwhile, Pathfinder was chill with his kid. Wait a minute. Pathfinder was totally chill. Animals don't like it when you touch their babies. No, they really don't. <laughs> you know what? Neither do humans, unless you know the child. <laughs> yeah. Just going to throw that out there. Humans are animals. I uh, I am not a person to just walk up and, and and touch someone's child unhidden, but people people do it all the time. My I think I think Rebecca does a little bit. Really? Yeah. Well, because I mean, it's you. Everyone loves kids. Kids are great. Yeah. But there's this. I, yeah. Or, even if you know someone and you like they're pregnant and you go, oh, let me touch your like that whole move. It's never occurred to me to be is, a thing to do. I am not interested in doing that. No, I am not. I guess your that's your thing. I get it. You got a baby in there. It's a wonderful miracle. I'm not going to go interfere in your body and just walk up and touch you. And, and if so, you should send your lion after me, like in this episode. In most cases, I don't walk up and touch people unsolicited. I had a guy friend I used to work with. He's a weird dude. He met my then girlfriend, and I'm not even kidding you. He touched her eyeball. He like was trying to make like a weird joke about man. I don't know what the joke was, but the result of it was his finger touched her actual eyeball, (laughs) and she was like freaked out. And she was like, "Don't you let him near me? Like I don't know what." And I'm like, "He's a weirdo." Yeah, it was weird. Did she uh, close her eyelids in time? Oh, or? She recoiled. Yeah, no, he was able to touch her he eyeball. He the ball. Yeah, t- yeah, because it was so like, that's not what I'm expecting. Like, <laughs> it was just po- caught everyone by surprise. And it ended up being finger on eyeball. Wow. Very strange. That's some very personal strange. space invasion. Totally, there. right? That's like, the fact that I impressive. still remember that. And that was 15 years ago. Like, it was just a weird moment of, you have no boundaries, dude. <laughs> You've no boundaries. So, um, question for you: We're, we're going to come back to your uh, uh, your your character. Are you excited for the Happy Time Murders? Oh, I'm very excited for the Happy Time Murders. Yeah, uh, I think Henson Alternative is a, a really good thing. Uh, the makers of the film do uh, an improv showcase thing at the Henson lot, maybe like two or three times a year. It's is Henson Alternative up. is that just a phrase, or is that an actual name of a group? It's an actual name of a group that uh, Brian Henson does, like the Puppet Up group um, okay. through. That's the the thing where they have the improv nights at the Henson Studios, and then they also had a a short lived uh, Vegas run of the Puppet Up show as well. But it's that group of collaborative uh, rotating cast of improv puppeteers yeah. that collaborated on this film with brian henson directing i oh. believe this is his directorial debut Don't cobra commander was finally kissed by the <laughs> way we just got a smooch but yeah brian henson so jim henson henson's directed son, this. jim henson's son uh, i believe directed the film he's also the main puppet 
character. He's like a detective who's investigating the murders of these characters that used to do a children's television show together. If he's involved, then why did there's Duke? Don't rip, please don't rip the screen apart. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. If he's involved, why 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 did Sesame Street have that brief do. moment of Julia anger with the thing? Well, the uh, promotional company that's involved with advertising. <laughs> even, oh, even a strong gorilla a can single, cry. A single gorilla tear. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the company that's doing like the advertising campaigns for for yeah. Happy Time, yeah. the the tagline for the movie is uh, all, all Sesame No Street, right? And uh, to me, that is a very clear delineation of what it is not. Yeah. But they thought that it was like a, a negative association, yeah. and and more importantly, they actually had parents who are Sesame Street. Yeah, 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 like with toddlers and whatnot, contacting them and saying that they were disgusted by this thing that the right. children's television workshop is clearly associated with, and they were like, "No, yeah." But like there, there's all these like different corporate holdings that are involved because Sesame Street was not just a Jim Henson Company thing. Uh, it's a children children's television workshop existed okay. before the association with the Muppets. Okay, and they asked Jim if he wanted to like inject some of his uh, puppety goodness into it. Got it. Um, so the characters. So regardless like, of whether Henson was direct, his son was involved. CTW is going to be involved anyway, regardless who's directing, because they're well, trying to protect their. CTW just wanted to make sure that they could say that they did something. Yeah, I think oh, that whether right, right, whether right. or not they actually like they weren't suing for money or whatever, they were suing for them to stop using that, that l- language, yeah. that slogan. And I don't know that they actually cared, but they had to at least pretend to care because yeah. they were responding to a- and, backlash. And as these things go, you pretend to care for long enough until it doesn't matter anymore because then right. the movie comes out and life moves on and but people like, stop being upset. Parents don't care. Like a lot of parents don't care. A lot of parents brought their kids to see Deadpool. Listen, I was ju- I was just gonna say that those same parents are letting their kids watch watch and read Deadpool. Right, like, and and The Walking Dead. Like, yeah. oh, my kid loves The Walking yeah, Dead. Yeah, yeah. Like, or yeah. I, like we're at the comic shop. People tell us these things all the time. Like, oh yeah, my kid's obsessed with horror, and it's like a five year old. I uh, I usually bite my lip, but there have been. I, I'm getting a little more vocal as I get older, and I don't have any kids, of course, but. I'm getting a little more vocal with calling out, like when parents say stuff like that, of me just showing my surprise and going, wow, that's a choice. Oh, my God. So you've had time to think. What? Like, we'll start. Here's what we do when, when we, uh, when, <laughs> frankly, it's when I forget. So what we do is we usually start with what, what, your, what your thing is. So I think, I think it, the answer is clear. I think, I think you, be, you need to be some kind of puppetry soldier right maybe but also is there a scientist soldier sure dr mindbetter was a scientist nah, he's a bad guy though oh and you want to be well you can be a bad guy you don't have to be a good guy oh, okay well i'm a good i guy. feel like we've had a lot of good guys for a long for a few months now all my guests have been like oh i would never be on cobra i'm like yeah some of y'all would be on cobra <laughs> okay but my Listen, you would be a good my guy. life models you know that i don't know if you did life that model decoys I, right uh did you do that thing where you're like on social media, you post a picture of like three characters in media that represent you? Okay. Did you do one of those? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't usually. Do I don't. I don't look down my nose at it, but I, I usually I'm like I don't. I don't have time. I don't have brain capacity to, to remember to do all that. That was. What, I don't get involved in most of the mimetic stuff yeah. online, but yeah. that was one where I was like, that's actually interesting, and it's interesting to see what people are choosing, yeah. who they think represents them, and 
if I agree or not and stuff like that. And I, I actually thought long and hard about that. My three characters were Spider-Man, okay. Kermit the Frog, yeah. and Spock. Oh, great. Um, I, awesome. think, I think that they each represent characteristics that I regularly display. All of them are good people. Yeah. They don't necessarily always make the right choice. And sometimes they're hard to relate to. Like, Spock is not the easiest, and he's very, like, oh, logic, logic, and I'm very that way. I think I know, I think I know what you're doing. Okay. And then we'll figure out a name for you. Let me, let me pitch this to you. Yeah. Because earlier, and I, can't, I, I don't recall right now if you said it on air or not, but we were talking about favorite, uh, favorite episodes, and you said you loved the bats. Yes. Right? So bats were Cobra. G.I. Joe didn't have bats. G.I. Joe didn't have a version of the bats. I think you're the scientist that creates the bats, which are puppets, essentially puppets. Right. You create bats, but G.I. Joe version of bats. Yes. So whatever the bat, we, you know, we figure out that name now, but you create the G.I. Joe version of the bats. So we need, and, and maybe your name is the puppeteer. Oh, okay. The and puppet master. The puppet master. Yeah, you're the puppet master. I'm the puppet master. And you create the robotic soldiers that counter the Cobra bats. Here, I'm gonna add is an ex- I'm gonna add an extra layer. Okay. Uh, one of the bats perhaps encounters some kind of he gets sings with the voice of Paul Williams, and he gets damaged. Okay. He gets damaged. His circuitry is corrupted, and uh, the G- one of the GI Joe guys uh, reconnects a wire. Some mm-hmm. some kind of hoo ha. And this bat uh, finds morality. Okay. And uh, now this bat is the one that cre- he's like, maybe I can uh, reform former bats. Hold on. Let me add another layer on that. Okay. Then you, as uh, the uh, first you were the puppeteer, you get damaged in battle. You get, you're human. Oh, you yeah, get, yeah, you, yeah, get, yeah. you get messed up. You get severely messed up. And the Joes happen to have Dr. Doctor, uh, the brainwave scanner yeah, yeah, from yeah. the comic books. Dr. Venom's brain brainwave scanner. You download your consciousness into, into that, a bat body. Into that that version of the morality bat. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's And me. then you become the puppet master. Yes. And I'm able to, you know, maybe convert bad bats into good bats through radio waves or something so that okay so you're you're a robot like through wi-fi so you're, i'm, I'm, I'm yeah. hacking their shit with my so you're an ex, you're an x <laughs> so let's get this straight you're an x bat with the brain engrams of, of the, a former joe scientist who yes. worked in robotics wait a minute okay yeah you're the guy who created the gi joe listeners uh you'll get this i don't know if you will the um they were called pack rats and they were they were they showed up very briefly in the cartoon, but they were um, they were one of the t- early early toys. They were uh, motorized robotic weapons. So there was a machine gun, a flamethrower, and uh, there was a third one. I forget what it did. Maybe a laser gun. And they would they were they were they're autonomous weapons. Yeah, autonomous weapons. They would go out in the field. And they they had wheels, and they were little action. They were toys that sold. They came in a three pack, and they were just little little cheap plastic versions of vehicles. And they were called pack rats. Someone had to invent that. That's what you did. You invented the pack rats. You didn't invent like a robotic version soldier for the Joes. You invented the pack rats. Right. Then you got damaged and your brain was put into the body of a bat. And now you're a good bat fighting to save and reform bats. So you're slowly, as you go out in the yeah, field. converting the bat right. army to the Joes. Yeah, side. yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things where like their red eyes turn to blue when you right. convert them good, you know? Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You like that? Oh, yeah. And is your name Puppet Master? Is Puppet that what we're going to go with? Oh, yeah. Dude, Puppet Master, welcome to the Joe and Joe team. Thanks, Joe. That's very exciting. That's very exciting. I love this. This was very exciting. Yeah, yeah I love yeah. that origin. That's I'm very. You're the scientist who created the pack rats, who then got damaged in a battle, 
and died. Your body's dead. Body's but dead, but, but your but brain, the brain and where they had moments. Yeah. To yeah. To they put my brain in the brainwave scanner. Yeah. They downloaded his brain. His body died. It's like RoboCop. Yeah. Meets a million other things. Yes. Yes. And yes. And yes. Ladies and gentlemen. This was fantastic. Joe, thank you so much for being on the show, man. Oh, it was my pleasure. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I hope Cobra Commander found love. I think he did. The gorilla was sad. but If if, if this really... Sometimes the, the order on the disc is not exactly the order that they show it on air, so I'm not 100% sure. But it, imagine this was the last episode they showed before you had to wait a year for new episodes. You were just left with this cliffhanger of what that crying gorilla is the last image you see. And it, will that crying, crying gorilla ever find love? Uh, pr- probably not. Probably not. I don't think so either. He's looking for love in all the wrong yeah. places. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. This was fantastic. Joe, thanks for being a guest on Joe on Joe. I should say Puppet Master. Thank you for being a guest on Joe on Joe. Oh, and what's your uh, code name? Oh, my code name, as we established last week, uh, I've changed my code name. My, my code name is now Old Style. Old Style. Old Style. Okay. I'm the um, I'm a, I'm a heavy machine gunner, but my primary like operative thing is to reflect on uh, old stuff so like remind people of better times or um, like do you say about, back in my day yeah i say back in my day a lot i say you remember this is just like that battle we fought blah 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 this is like that time cobra attacked the pit like i reference old issues kind of like my you know my, you're a bard yeah i'm a bard i'm cliff clayford <laughs> <laughs> yeah like do you remember this is just like that time this happened that's my name old style uh, so this is Old Style signing off for Puppet Master. Now you, Joe, and Joeing is half the battle. Uh-huh.